0: Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Today we will recap the week that was, which included some turbulent sessions for equity investors. Our conversation will break down the factors behind performance, as well as shed light on what the road ahead for equity returns might look like. Plus, of course, we will preview the upcoming reporting season, as well as the week ahead. So joining me here for the conversation today, I'm glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning Matt Tormey, Associate Equity Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Matt, welcome back. Happy Friday and looking forward to our conversation today.
1: Hey Dan, good morning and thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So Matt, as I mentioned just a couple of moments ago, it was indeed a, a turbulent week for equity investors, including the selling pressure we witnessed during yesterday's session on Thursday. So to start things off, Matt, can you walk us through the factors at play that really drove the market activity this week? week?
1: Of course. So yeah, you're right, Dan. It's been a pretty turbulent week in equity markets that included as much as a 2% drawdown in the S&P on Tuesday and even greater weakness from the tech-heavy Nasdaq. So there have been a number of factors at play, and let's dive right into it. First, we've seen a pretty sharp rise in yield over just a short period of time. In fact, since last week's FOMC meeting, the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield has risen by about 20 basis points, and is now near 1.5% after trading in a tighter range over the previous couple of months. And this has led to a rally in cyclical sectors, most notably energy and financials. Tech stocks have lagged as a result as higher interest rates do create a bigger drag on the present value of their future cash flows. Second, comments from Fed Chair Powell earlier this week may have strengthened inflation concerns. Specifically, he did mention that supply chain bottlenecks hiring difficulties, and other constraints could pose upside risks to inflation, and if sustained higher inflation becomes a serious concern, then the Fed would respond and adjust monetary policy in a way that would keep inflation consistent with their policy targets. Third, we've seen tightness in energy markets across the world, which led to a sharp increase in the prices of fossil fuels, including crude oil, natural gas, and coal, which all reached multi-year or record highs in some regions. Not only have these price increases added to fears of more persistent inflation, but they've also contributed to blackouts in parts of China and concerns that economic growth will be weaker. And finally, there are many items on the D.C. policy agenda that are leading to increased uncertainty. So first, the government was at risk of shutting down early this morning, but it looks like the Senate, House, and President Biden were able to pass a bill that would keep the government funded through December 3rd, so that's one uncertainty off the table for now. Second, we were supposed to get a vote on the bipartisan infrastructure bill yesterday, but it looks like negotiations are set to resume today, and we wouldn't be surprised if the vote gets delayed past today again. Third, we heard from Treasury Secretary Yellen that the Treasury Department is set to exhaust its borrowing authority around October 18th, and it's unclear how Congress will raise or suspend the debt ceiling now that Senate Republicans blocked a Democratic bill on Monday that did include an attempt to suspend the debt ceiling through the end of next year. And finally, the details of the much larger reconciliation bill focused on social and human infrastructure are still being worked out as the moderate and progressive members of the Democratic Party try and come into an agreement. So. I know that was a lot to digest, Dan, but it really has been one of those weeks.
0: Yeah, Matt, appreciate the clarity on the driving factors behind the activity, and it's interesting. It's quite a wide range of contributing factors. You mentioned, chief among them, some of the fiscal negotiations occurring in D.C. still ongoing. It will be interesting to see what comes from a potential vote today or if that gets pushed out, as you suggested. Also, you need to take into account the gridlock, supply chain constraints we've been hearing about. Those are ongoing. So a lot to play here, given all of that, Matt, do these and all change, these risk considerations, the Chief Investment Office's longer-term outlook for equity returns?
1: So these are risks that we'll definitely be keeping an eye on as we think they could lead to market volatility in the near term. But over the longer term, we haven't made any adjustments recently to our S&P 500 forecast. We do expect the fiscal issues I just previously mentioned to get resolved, as we did just avoid a government shutdown for at least another few months, and the debt ceiling is an important enough issue that we expect to be worked out, although it may be last minute, which could lead to some further volatility. And it's still our base case that the bipartisan infrastructure bill will eventually pass, as well as the reconciliation bill, although we believe it will be much smaller in size than the $3.5 trillion proposed. On supply chain constraints, This will likely have an impact on Q3 and Q4 earnings for select companies, but ultimately, these issues are transitory until supply can catch up with the really strong demand that we've been seeing, but more on that a little later when we discuss earnings for a bit. And finally, and we've been actually showing this in one of our monthly publications, but with where valuations currently stand in equity markets, we should expect to see annualized returns over the longer term that are lower than historical averages and the data has shown that valuations have little to no correlation with short-term returns, but a much stronger correlation over long, longer-term horizons. So to quickly summarize, we do maintain our S&P 500 year-end price target of 4,600 and year-end 2022 target of 5,000. We expect earnings to grow 45% this year and another 10% next year. We prefer value stocks over growth stocks on the heels of very attractive relative valuations, strong earnings growth, and our fixed income team's expectation that rates are trending higher. And we prefer mid-caps over large caps, especially over the longer term, as mid-caps trade at a 15-year discount if we look at relative forward P.E. ratios.
0: Thank you for reaffirming and for walking us through the chief investment office's performance outlook for U.S. equities. You you mentioned corporate earnings a few moments ago. Of course, investors will be lasered focused on the upcoming reporting season uh, just on the horizon. So what are your expectations for the upcoming reporting season, Matt? Any themes in particular that you'll be tracking? All right, so
1: a lot of focus this earnings season will be on what companies are saying about supply chain disruptions, higher costs, and how this is impacting the outlook. And we've already seen about 16 companies in the S&P 500 index report earnings, and a number of companies have already guided down expectations over the past few weeks. So some of the takeaways so far are that we think most of the impact from supply chain disruptions will be felt in the industrials, materials, and consumer-related sectors. So within industrials and materials, the current supply chain issues we are seeing today really started over a year ago after manufacturing bases were shut down for several months due to COVID, and demat- demand bounced back very sharply. And lockdowns shifted consumer preferences from services to goods, which also exacerbated the problem. And then on top of all this, earlier this year, we had hurricanes and winter storms that added further stress to the industry. So ultimately, we do think supply will eventually catch up to demand, but this may take longer than originally anticipated. And for more information on this topic, I definitely encourage our listeners to read some of the recent publications from my colleague, Adam Shiner, where he dives into much more detail. And just to wrap up here quickly, We've seen further evidence that supply chain pressures in COVID-19 are impacting consumer companies as well. Factories in Asia that had been closed for some time are ramping up again, but this combined with backlogs at the ports are delaying delivery times. We even saw one company recently call out steeper cost inflation escalating by the month, which resulted in disappointing earnings. And others have acknowledged that they will be passing on price increases to consumers. So with all this in mind, be keeping an eye on these trends to see if they persist throughout earnings season. But the silver lining here is that all this is a supply issue and not a demand issue. So we'd expect to see a decent tail into earnings and margins as inventories are rebuilt, and as COVID-19 trends improve.
0: Quite a few considerations there that have the potential to impact results, so we will see how this reporting season plays out, and it will be interesting to hear from corporate managements as well. So before we close out our conversation for today, Matt, looking near term to the week ahead, what will be taking place that you'll be keeping an eye on that could move markets?
1: So next week should be pretty busy again with a lot on tap for the economic calendar, but We're also getting closer to the start of earnings season, and we'll continue to keep a close eye on any developments coming out of D.C. So first, the economic calendar. On Monday, we'll get the final reading on durable goods orders for August, which, if you remember from last week, surprised to the upside by quite a bit. On Tuesday, the September reading for the ISM Non-Manufacturing Index will be released and is expected to fall by a few points from pretty elevated levels. Moving on to Wednesday, we'll get a little bit of a preview into how Friday's jobs report may shape up with the release of the ADP employment survey, which is expected to increase versus the prior month. Turning to Thursday, we'll again keep an eye on how weekly, initial, and continuing jobless claims are trending. And finally, on Friday, the September jobs report will be published. And when I checked this morning, consensus is pointing towards just north of 475,000 jobs being added to the economy and for the unemployment rate to fall to 5% from its current level of about 5.2%. And now to wrap up, a few consumer staples companies are set to report earnings next week. So as we discussed earlier, we'll be keeping an eye on what these companies have to say about the impact of supply chain disruptions and higher costs on their businesses and how it may affect the outlook.
0: Okay, so between corporate earnings, a busy macro calendar leading up to the release of the September jobs report on Friday, of course, anything can happen down in Washington, D.C. We'll keep an eye on that. It does sound like a busy week ahead. So, Matt, thank you for dropping by Top of the Morning today to recap what was a busy week, uh, providing some clarity with respect to the factors that drove market activity and for previewing for us what sounds like a fairly substantial week ahead. So, Matt, thank you again. Have a great weekend and we'll look forward Forward to catching back up again with you soon.
1: Thanks, Dan, and have a good weekend as well.
0: Thank you, Matt. And again, today we've been joined by Matt Tormey, Associate Equity Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and their listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market moves podcast channel which is available where podcasts are found including on itunes spotify TuneIn, stitcher and pandora visit ubs.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering as well as the new ubs trending video series from ubs studios i'm dan cassidy thank you for joining us